This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. South Carolina and Nevada are in the books. Can Donald Trump be stopped? Personally, I don't think so. Welcome to the program. Donald Trump finally reached a new threshold, and I say finally because he was kind of stuck in the mid to high 30s in terms of his uh, uh, support, especially in the early primaries. And he finally got up 45% in Nevada. That's pretty significant. And I think that if he stays anywhere near that number, Going into Super Tuesday, he will secure the Republican nomination. Put me down for it. Ted Cruz is fading fast. Marco Marco Rubio, everybody who does not like Donald Trump is putting their chips on Marco Rubio, hoping that he can stop Donald Trump. I don't think it's going to happen. So we'll see how that plays out going into Super Tuesday. So for you Trump fans out there, Yeah, you could start with the smack talk because I think you're getting close. I want to talk about some quick hits here. I want to talk about President Obama's attempt to close Gitmo unilaterally. He sent this plan to Congress, which was more of a political statement than a plan. It's to fulfill a campaign promise. He wants to close this this, this terror prison and he wants to remove the remaining terrorists there into United, onto United States soil and into United States jails and prisons. That will be a catastrophic mistake. And my hope is, and I, only, I can only hope, with this GOP-controlled Congress, you can only hope, as a conservative, that they slam the door in his face on this. It's kind of funny because in his statement, when he rolled it out, he said... And I'll quote this. I don't want to pass this problem on to the next president, whoever it is. What? Do you know how many problems Barack Obama is handing off to the next president because of his incompetence? Because of his malfeasance? Because of his failure to fulfill his oath of office and abide by the Constitution? But now all of a sudden, he's developed this this sense of sensitivity for the next president of the United States. Bullcrap. 
I think Gitmo should remain open. I think Gitmo should be used as a place to house enemy combatants here at home and homegrown terrorists, radicalized American citizens who pledge allegiance to ISIS when they're caught, and there should be a process, forfeit their citizenship, but they should be held at Gitmo because I do not want our jails and prisons used as a terror network with this radicalized effort. And that is exactly what will happen. So we'll see how that goes. I also want to talk about the GOP is now, it seems like they're drawing a a line in the sand. But you know what? We've seen the GOP line in the sand before. As time goes on, as the winds come across, it fills the line in, and then we don't know where it is. We saw it on the debt ceiling. Vote where they continue to let Obama recklessly ruin our future with more spending and more debt. We also saw it in this omnibus craptacular pass, uh, package, which was no good for the American people. As a matter of fact, Obama was happy with it, gleefully signed it, and he said, This contains. Most of my agenda items that I can now complete for the rest of my term. He's got less than a year. That's what we've gotten out of this GOP Congress. So here we are again now with this attempt by Obama to fill the vacancy on the United States Supreme Court left by the passing of the late Justice Antonin Scalia. And we're going to talk about this more in depth later in the program, but let me say this. First of all, uh, the Senate Republicans came out of a closed-door meeting Tuesday. This is from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Committed to maximum obstruction of any nominee by President Obama to fill the United States Supreme Court vacancy. No hearings and no votes. They pledged to take no action on any nominee before the next president takes office in 2017. I like to hear that. It's music to my ears, but I'll tell you what. I'm not from Missouri, but you're going to have to show me. We have seen Mitch McConnell buckle under the pressure of Barack Obama. I don't know, afraid that he'll be accused of being racist and and not supporting the first black, black president or whatever it is. But now we're getting more indication and we're getting our an articulation now. Clear, unambiguous language that they're not going to do it. But we've been let down before. And it's kind of funny because President Obama said, the United States Senate must fulfill their obligation. They must do their duty. You talk about the pot calling the kettle black? This president has sidestepped the Congress. This president has trampled the Constitution. This president has acted more like a monarch or a dictator, someone that King George back in the 1700s could be very proud of. And he's going to lecture the Congress of the United States Senate about doing their duty? The gall of this guy. It's unbelievable. So like I said, we'll talk about this later in the program because we've been let down before and I'm going to talk about some of the pitfalls that could occur because we've seen Mitch McConnell blink. 
We've seen him blink. And I hope he's ready to stare this guy down now. I hope he's ready to stiffen his spine, McConnell, and get some swagger and tell this president, you know what, you got about 10 months to go. Why don't you go golf? We won't even criticize you for it. Your reign of terror is over. That's what I want to hear from Mitch McConnell. Now I want to get into this. This is interesting. Third teacher forced out by probe. This is a USA Today special investigation. I got this teacher who was caught in one state of taking liberties with his students, sexual liberties. And then he resigns, quietly resigns, moves to a different state, and gets another teaching job. This is amazing. That these education officials hire these teachers. This has so many parallels to the priest abuse scandal. It's unbelievable. But we don't seem to have a sense of urgency about it. We're trusting, you are entrusting your kids in secret because you send your kids to school, you're not there. Our most precious commodity, our children, are being trusted to these pedophiles, these sexual predators. I'm calling for body cameras on every teacher in every public school in the United States of America. Sure, we, we want to do it with police officers, right? We don't trust them. And our police officers are not taking sexual liberties with children. As a parent, you should know what's going on in that classroom. You should be able to come home, get on your computer, download the entire class time for that day, and watch. It would keep teachers on the straight and narrow. It would also allow you to see how's your kids doing in school? How are your kids be, how's your kid behaving? Are they participating in class? Why don't we do this? Let me be the first to say that we need body cameras on every teacher in every classroom in America. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Let's get back to talking about this Supreme Court vacancy upon the death of the late Justice Antonin Scalia. 
Now the President Obama wants to do what he's allowed to do under the Constitution. Let's nominate somebody to fill a vacancy. But I always say this, just because you can doesn't mean you should. There's a decorum that comes along with some of this stuff. It's a courtesy. And I think that that courtesy should be extended because we are so close. We are in the middle of a presidential campaign. It's that close. Now, Obama doesn't have to honor that. And nobody should expect that. The man doesn't have a decent bone in his body. Everything is about him. And if he gets a chance to tilt this court, you do you really think he would pass on something like that? This guy has a chance to solidify his agenda to destroy America as we know it. He could seal the deal by tilting this court back to the left. And I don't mean center left either. And so this has to be a fight. And we have to rely on the United States Senate, the GOP-led Senate, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, to do our fighting for us. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried because history has shown that under his leadership, the United States Senate is not really conservative. If you look at the omnibus spending package, you look at all the the, uh, the, the lower federal court judges that they're approving, Obama's picks to stack the court with activist judges. We don't have a whole lot to go on in terms of being confident that he'll fight for us. And so there's a lot of concern here. Folks, do not let this thing leave your radar screen because the media will, especially the liberal mainstream media, And then while all these other things are going on as distractions, the left is building up, marshalling their forces for the fight. And when it comes, it's going to come heavy. It won't be a headline here and a, a talking point there. It will be a barrage. And I'm concerned whether this GOP Senate is going to have the will to fight back. The hell with what the polls are saying. The hell with their approval rating. The hell with what uh, the the names the left calls them. Obstructionist is the big word right now that the left is using. Obstructionist. Don't be an obstructionist. The Republicans are being an obstructionist. I don't care about that. I care about this country. One of the things I think that this fight points out, really or demonstrates, I should say, is how powerful the courts have become. They were never designed. When the Founding Fathers created these three branches, they were never designed. They're a co-equal branch, but they were never designed to be one of the stronger branches. And right now, we're ruled by the courts. Everything ends up in the courts. The Congress is supposed to be the most dominant branch. They make the laws. Matter of fact, ironically, Scalia talked about that, that you have, you know, individuals in robes, nine and unelected. He talked about this in several of his 
his uh, dissenting opinions. Nine unelected people in robes doing what the founding fathers intended we the people should do, govern ourselves. And every once in a while, there's going to be some sort of dispute. And the courts should weigh in. But what they did in the, the Obamacare decision was a sin before God. We got John Roberts to thank for that, a George W. Bush appointee. We have Anthony Kennedy to thank for that, another Republican presidential appointee. And we have David Souter to thank for that, another Republican presidential appointee. So here we are again at the precipice. I want you to listen to something. Take a listen to this. As a result, it is my view that if a Supreme Court justice resigns tomorrow or within the next several weeks, or resigns at the end of the summer, President Bush should consider following the practice of a majority of his predecessors and not, and not, name a nominee until after the November election is completed. The Senate, too, Mr. President, must consider how it would, would respond to a Supreme Court vacancy that would occur in the full throes of an election year. It is my view that if the President goes the way of Presidents Fillmore and Johnson and presses an election year nomination, the Senate Judiciary Committee should seriously consider not scheduling confirmation hearings on the nomination until ever, until after the political campaign season is over. And I sadly predict, Mr. President, that this is going to be one of the bitterest, dirtiest presidential campaigns we will have seen in modern times. I'm sure, Mr. President, after having uttered these words, some, some will criticize such a decision and say there was nothing more than an attempt to save a seat on the court in hopes that a Democrat will be permitted to fill it. But that would not be our intention, Mr. President, if that were the course we were to choose as a Senate, to not consider holding hearings until after the election. Instead, it would be our pragmatic conclusion that once the political season is underway, and it is, Action on a Supreme Court nomination must be put off until after the election campaign is over. That is what is fair to the nominee and essential to the process. Otherwise, it seems to me, Mr. President, we will be in deep trouble as an institution. That was then-Senator Joe Biden. I believe he was the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee back in 1992 when George Herbert Walker Bush was trying to fill some vacancies on the United States Supreme Court. The exact opposite of what he and these other lefties are saying today. You know what's funny about this? Chuck Schumer was asked about it. It was played for Chuck Schumer this week. 
And he was asked about it. And you know what he said? He said, nothing that we said in the past about this matters. Can you believe that? That's how despicable these people on the left are, these liberals, these Democrats. Their moral elevator has no bottom floor. Now, all of a sudden, nothing that they said in the past about this matters. But that's how they fight. It's like Obama saying he believed that marriage between, was between one man and one woman before he got elected. And then he evolved. Bill Clinton, Defense of Marriage Act, he signed it. Now he's for gay marriage. Mrs. Bill Clinton, the same thing. It's whatever suits them politically. It's all about political expediency for these snakes. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. No one does this easily, just like they don't get into it easily. You get out of it because you run out of money, and the reason you run out of money is because you finally realize that your worst fears, that your worst fears have been realized not only by you, but by everybody else first. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. To David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Let's stick with this Supreme Court nomination because I'm very worried, and you ought to be very worried too. There are only 46 Democrats in the United States Senate, 54 Republicans. You have to remember, count the votes here. If the Democrats were to try to end a filibuster, end debate in a filibuster, they need 60 votes. They only have 46, which means they have to peel off 14 Republicans. Here's who you have to keep your eye on. Susan Collins of Maine, Jeff Flake of Arizona, Mark Kirk of Illinois, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Tom Tillis of North Carolina, among a few others. Keep an eye on them. Those are the chameleons. Only 23 Republicans have ruled out voting to confirm an Obama nominee, according to the New York Times. Only 23 of the 54. The Democrats know they'll be able to arm twist some of these weak-kneed Republicans. This thing should never get out of committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, and should never see the light of day on the United States Senate floor for an up or down vote. The hell with the up or down vote. Don't give me this crap about, well, everybody deserves an up or down. The Dems don't play like that. They do not play like that. You saw what Harry Reid did for almost four years during the George W. Bush years of bringing the Senate to a halt to stop the Bush and Republican agenda. Did nothing. And now they want to talk about, well, everybody deserves an up or down vote. This is mind-boggling. But I'm very worried. Because we've been let down before by this GOP-led Senate. 
I came across this piece in the Conservative Review. It's by Daniel Horowitz. Here's what it says. The fight to block Obama from appointing a radical to the Supreme Court will be the GOP's Waterloo. The outcome of this imbroglio will by itself determine whether there is any value, whether there was any value in electing a GOP Senate in 2014, and whether there is any utility in continuing to invest political capital in this fledgling party. Sadly, it appears that the tried and tested capitulation game has already begun. The playbook is the same every time. Even in the face of less consequential political fights, Republicans start out talking tough. Then leadership allows the weakest liberal members to begin dissenting from the party line and even trash-talking the party to the media. Next, leadership says they have to embark on the legislative process to be fair but still oppose the initiative and will personally fight against it. You heard what Joe Biden said. Was that fair? Back to the piece here. Then depending on how many votes it needs to pass, they decide whether to throw in with the liberal Republicans. The minute Obama announces attention to nominate a replacement for Justice Scalia, thereby making the existing liberal advantage on the court complete and irrevocable, Republican leaders had no choice but to categorically oppose it. After all, the party is already hanging by a thread with the base. Yesterday, the dominoes began to fall. While Senators McConnell, Hatch, and other senior leadership members were still talking tough, Liberal Senator Dean Heller, Republican of Nevada, announced his support for Obama to put forth a consensus nominee. This is a Republican. And although Senator John Cornyn, Republican of Texas, the majority whip, reiterated his desire that the next president fill the vacancy, he said that holding hearings is entirely up to the Judiciary Committee chairman and scheduling a floor vote is entirely up to McConnell. These might sound like insignificant chinks in the armor, but remember, we are only a few days into this battle and Obama has yet to put forth a name. There is no doubt he will nominate a consensus pick because that's how he'll frame it he'll keep saying that word back to the story unlike on the right the liberal legal field has a plethora of candidates with high commendations a successful career a thin record on the bench yet the full confidence of democrats that they will rule our constitution unconstitutional upon assuming office obama knows how to push the rhino buttons He will nominate someone who comes highly recommended in the legal field, and it will be a big first, perhaps the first transgendered Muslim immigrant to be picked. He knows Republicans are very sensitive to looking like obstructionists, especially in the face of such a historic process, progress. At that point, it will become a slow bleed. You will see Senators Murkowski, Collins, Kirk, and other liberals Join with Heller and call for fair hearings. How eerie that just two weeks ago I called for Senator Grassley to be replaced because his spot on the Senate Judiciary Committee is too vital for someone so fickle. Grassley will undoubtedly cave to pressure and that will get the ball rolling. And once the nominee goes through the meat grinder of confirmation hearings, how can he not get a floor vote? To that end, the weakest members of the committee beginning with Lindsey Graham, will likely vote the nominee out of committee and onto the floor. This is scary, ladies and gentlemen, because this is exactly how it will happen, because it has happened before. The Democrats and the liberals know 
how to maul these weak-kneed Republicans. Back to the story. To a large degree, Republicans want the courts to be the final arbiter of the major political questions of our time. That way they don't have to get their hands dirty. I said that. Too much of this stuff ends up in the courts. A lot of this work is the responsibility of the Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. They make the laws. We're now ruled by the courts. Story goes on to say, while still espousing personal opposition to the nomination, McConnell will wait until the pressure from liberal Republicans is too strong and say he has no choice but to schedule a floor vote. Then it's a matter of time before 10 more Republicans are picked off and walk the plank. Quote, while I intend to oppose a confirmation, I believe the nominee deserves an up or down vote, and as such, I will vote to end the filibuster. This is how it's going to happen. This is it. So he says, one would think the messaging behind this would be so easy. Republicans should easily put Democrats on defense and have history on their side, like Joe Biden in 1992. But you can only fight if you believe in what you are fighting for. And let's face it, to a large degree, Republicans want the courts to be the final arbiter of the major political questions of our time. It says that way they don't have to get their hands dirty. You know as well as I do that many Republicans breathe a sigh of relief when the courts redefine marriage from the bench. One more inconvenient issue dumped off our ship, the Senate believed. It ends by saying, Despite the bravado from McConnell and his allies, this is how the confirmation fight will play out unless the grassroots mobilizes immediately. McConnell has convened a meeting of the conference next Wednesday to iron out this issue. And unless the phone lines of every senator are melted down for the next week, the writing is already on the wall. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why I am afraid. we may very well be staring at the end of conservatism in America. And our heads won't be handed to us by the Democrats or by the liberals. Our heads will be served up on a platter by the GOP, by the Republican-led Senate. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Kim Jong-un has invented an alcohol where there's no hangover. Booze that won't get you hungover? That's right. Drink all you want, buddy. There's no hangover. We had a president who's uh, worried about gun control, stuff like this. Syrian refugees possibly being terrorists. And Kim Jong-un has prioritized an alcohol that will not leave you with a terrible hangover. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment here, uh, some more talk on the presidential primary. 
you know, Jeb Bush getting out and all the pundits and all the uh, the blowhards on TV, who does his support go to? First of all, if he had any support of any significance, he'd still be in the race. Jeb Bush started out with more money than anybody else. I think the last figure I saw was about $170 million between his super PAC and his uh, his fundraising. And he couldn't make a go of it. Now people are saying, oh, now his donors will peel off and that'll help uh, Marco Rubio and that'll help so-and-so and so-and-so. And I keep trying to reiterate, this is not a linear process. If all those donors couldn't do anything for Jeb Bush, what makes anybody think they're going to be able to do anything for anybody else? And all of this is nothing more than an attempt to try to derail Donald Trump. Donald Trump is in the driver's seat. But keep in mind that there are a lot of people within the the RNC and the GOP that have their stop sticks ready. You know what stop sticks are? Those are those things the police use when there's a high-speed pursuit. You throw them out in front of the fleeing vehicle and it flattens all the tires and the car eventually has to come to a stop. They have those stop sticks ready. I believe that this is Donald Trump's to lose. It's his race to lose. But it's not over. And that is not a plug for Donald Trump. It's nothing against him either. But I've made it clear. Don't have a dog in this fight yet. I'll let you know when I do. And then you got John Kasich. Poor John Kasich. John Kasich is, is up there. He's he's jumping and screaming. He's hollering, trying to get people to pay attention to him. And yet people within the influential people within the Republican Party tell him, John, pull the plug on it. Turn out the lights, John. The party's over. And he won't do it. They want him out of the way thinking, well, then that'll help, you know, uh, either Trump or, I'm sorry, either uh, Rubio or Cruz, and then they can take take on Donald Trump. It just doesn't work in that linear fashion. Nobody knows what's going to happen. There are some signs that, that, that this thing is leaning a certain way. But it's pretty obvious to me that, that if all of Jeb Bush's donors go to somebody, that'll make the difference. It didn't make the difference for Jeb. So I don't know how much difference it'll make for anybody else. Ted Cruz has to regroup. Ted Cruz has to get it, figure out how to get his mojo back because he lost it. But don't forget, Marco Rubio lost his mojo after New Hampshire. And he got it back. Cruz can still get his mojo back. And he might. But he's going to have to do it quick. Just times are wasting. We're coming into March 1st. A lot of delegates at stake. And, you know, they're proportional. And that's important. There are no winner-take-all primary states on March 1st. None. So they'll be divvied out depending on the percentage. So either Rubio or Cruz can still tighten this thing. Like I said, Trump has 67 delegates thus far, I believe. Rubio has 11 and Ted Cruz 10 or something to that effect. So while he's widening his lead, Trump, 
Is it still a race as far as I'm concerned? And what do I know, right? Well, I don't know any less than any of these blowhards who from the beginning said that there was no way that Donald Trump would be the Republican nominee. And they kept predicting his demise. And then after Iowa, they predicted it again. And he is still leading the pack. I want to end with this. Where's Black Lies Matter? L-I-E-S. Anybody seen them lately? I got an APB out for them. They're needed. Can you believe I said that? Black Lives Matter is needed. They're needed in Chicago. Homicides in Chicago this year double the same period last year. Double 2015, which was a very violent and bloody year in the city of Chicago. Two months in, they have 95 homicides. This time last year, they had 47. This comes from the Chicago Tribune. The city has also more than double the amount of people shot. These are the non-fatal shootings. About 420 this year compared to 193 last year. 32 people were shot in Chicago over the weekend. The youngest was a three-year-old boy shot in an Inglewood neighborhood. He was shot as he played with a relative. A gang fight broke out, and he took a shot to the leg. This is amazing. This is Chicago, Illinois. You might be safer in Syria right now. If you're a black person, they're trying to arrange a ceasefire in Syria. No one has talked about a ceasefire in Chicago. I noticed the President of the United States called Kalamazoo after that raging lunatic went out and killed people and uh, six people and shot more, that Uber driver. And right away he offered federal dollars for the investigation. Has Obama ever offered federal dollars for a police murder investigation where, where a, a cop was shot? Has he ever done that? Did he offer Darren Wilson something to try to put his life back together after he was exonerated? Cop was shot in Mississippi last week. Did he call down there and offer federal money for that investigation? No, he didn't. And then, of course, he goes into his gun control rant. We need common sense Gun control. No, no, we don't. No, we don't. This is stupid gun control that he's recommending. This guy, apparently, the investigation is still going on, apparently bought the gun legally. He said he has no federal uh, uh, convictions. It's still being determined how he got the gun, but apparently he bought the gun. What's he talking about common sense Gun control. Universal background checks, of which there's nothing universal about it. Nothing. It stops absolutely nothing. And that stuff has to be pushed back against. 
every time he opens his mouth about gun control, we need to push back against it. Call him the liar that he is. Tell him to stop using this stuff for for political expediency. So back to Chicago here. Can you imagine 32 people shot over the weekend? Where's Black Lives Matter? I thought Black Lives Matter. And you know what? Of those 32 people shot over the weekend, the police didn't shoot one of them. Of the 95 homicides since the first of the year, the police haven't killed any of them. And the overwhelming majority of these, 90% plus, I would venture to guess, are black. Where's black lies matter? Waiting for the next cop shooting. That's where they are. It's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining me. Follow me during the week on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, The People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.